And all of these cheeses have stories because these are not cheeses that are being made by machines in giant factories. These are cheeses that are being made by, you know, a husband and wife or, um, you know, someone who is the, someone in Wisconsin who is the third generation descendant of a Swiss cheesemaker um, who made cheese in the Alps, you know. Welcome back to Just Doing Life with your favorite host, Megan. Yes, it is me, your favorite host, back with Just Doing Life. New episode. Welcome. It's a lovely Monday morning if you're a dedicated fan listening to this at 5 a.m. when I just uploaded it. If not, you're chugging through life, and I hope life is going good for you right now. Um, so, guys, I've got an amazing episode for you today. I have... I'm not kidding. I said it in the episode multiple times. I had been looking forward to this interview for so long because this is really the meat, the essence of what I wanted out of this podcast. You guys know I like to talk to a lot of people. I like to hear people's stories. I love to just see what people are doing with their lives because I can't figure my own life out. And so this story, this is, this lovely lady is a cheesemonger. Crickets. Do you know what a cheesemonger is? No, you probably don't. Not right now you don't, but you will once you listen to this episode. Yes, so I found Amelia on TikTok and she called herself a certified cheese professional, which we talk about, you know, what makes you a certified cheese professional. There's more to it than just eating a buttload of cheese, guys. And so she tells us all about, you know, how she got into this industry in the first place. She explains again, what it means to be a certified cheese professional. She talks about how cheese is made. She gives us a step-by-step rundown. Believe it or not, it is a lot, there's a lot more to cheese than just, you know, other stuff going on. I don't even, I don't even want to try to tell you what the cheese process is like because it's going to sound way better if you just listen to Amelia talk about it in the episode. But anyways, it's, it, it really was so insightful and I love it because it's one of those episodes where you realize the world is so freaking big. Um, I've kind of had this realization lately that, you know, you know me always with my realizations and me not acting on these realizations. Um, but do you guys remember in high school, we talked in psychology about um, the stages of development as a child. And one of those stages is you're, you're egotistical, right? You just think the world revolves around you and um, there's not much going on outside of the day-to-day impacts on you. I think, myself included, as a society, we are regressing to our childhood development stages because for myself, I find myself thinking so much about how it relates to me and how it impacts me that I forget that there's a whole world around me. And all that to say, I'm talking down to myself right now, but that's because this episode, you realize there's a whole nother world of cheese that I didn't even know existed. All I'm concerned about is just shoveling that good stuff, that good yum yum into my mouth. But there's a lot more that happens in the background in order for me to shove that good yum yum stuff in my mouth. Um, So you're going to hear all about it. It's really cool because the job that she takes us through, she gets to travel. She gets to um, talk with a lot of cool individuals. She even told us about the Cheese Olympics, which it's actually called the Cheesemonger Invitational. She's going to talk all about it. I highly recommend you guys to go look it up on 
um, their website. Literally just look up Cheesemonger Invitational. I did, in fact, sign up for the newsletter because I do want to participate. No, participate is wrong. I will not be competing. However, I will definitely be eating. Um, so super cool that that's a whole thing. And yeah, I, I just think this is such an exciting episode and I can't wait for you all to listen. Um, one piece that I wanted to throw out there, I asked Amelia what her like weird pairings are no I'm not gonna tell you you gotta listen to the episode to find out but I did want to throw in this is so weird but this is just me and my weirdness when I was younger one of my other friends Megan it's just something about the name I think that makes us so weird we used to be obsessed with cheddar goldfish and Nutella don't ask why and I know cheddar goldfish is not cheese whatever I'm just saying it made me think of it and the pairings but I still think it's bomb diggity so once you take a break from your artisan cheeses um maybe regress down to my my level and try some cheddar cheese goldfish with nutella Alrighty, guys um before you listen to this episode go ahead hit that follow button send this to a friend send this to someone who needs a pick-me-up send this to someone who says you know what i freaking love cheese i want to learn a little bit more about it send it on okay we're just trying to blow this thing up because cheesemongers around the world need to be heard all right here we go let's listen welcome amelia Awesome. Okay. Hi, everyone. I have Amelia with me today. Amelia, I found on TikTok. I just gave her the whole spiel. I I came across a video where she called herself a cheese professional, which uh, I've never heard that before. So I was so excited to meet her. Um, This meeting has been in the works for quite a bit of time now. So I think it's been like two months since we first chatted. Yeah. Um, So really appreciate the time you're taking uh, to speak with me. And with that, I'll give you the floor. Give me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, any hobbies outside of cheese. Cool. Um, so yeah, like Megan said, I am actually a certified cheese professional, which is a, a really cool, it's a very cool certification. It's uh, essentially the equivalent of being a sommelier in cheese. Um, it requires uh, a lot of time working behind a cheese counter and you have to actually prove that time um, before you can apply to take the exam, which is a three hour exam that you uh since COVID, we've gone back to taking it in person. Um, but okay. during COVID, I was able to, to take it online, um, which was actually uh, more stressful, I feel like. Yeah, wait, time out. Tell me what what a, a written test is like. What what kind of questions are they asking? Are they are you, like, identifying? Like, I'm imagining yeah, yeah. one of those, like, fa- the matching the pictures to the, to the definition. Kind of. Yeah, from what I can remember, I, I took it and I passed it in 2021. Um and it was a, I believe, 100 multiple choice question exam that covered everything from cheese history to microbiology to um, affinage science, which is like the science of cheese aging. Okay. Um, to there was a lot of math on there as well, like you know, gram to pound conversions and margin and markup and. Um, you know, questions that encompassed, like, if the aging room is this temperature at this percent humidity, and this happened to the cheese, uh, what went wrong? Oh, my so, God, that sounds like a was, medical school. Like, type of yeah, it was really, whoever put that test together, good job. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was hard. Yeah. Oh, my God. Very cool. Good. Okay. Um, so I've been a cheesemonger for five years and uh, I have worked all around New York City. I've worked in incredibly large cheese counters that had, you know, 500, 600 products. And I've worked in very small ones that had a curated selection of maybe 15 to 30 cheeses. So, okay. Sorry, so, yeah, before, before wide we, variety. I just want to set the stage. So a cheesemonger, that's just the name for someone who who's working behind the counter at, uh, yes. 
when you say the counter, are you talking like anywhere from you're at a big market and it's like solely cheese or like someone who's working in like a Mariano's or like a, you know, like the meat and cheese section of a grocery store? Is that also yeah, cheese for sure. Um, So the actual definition of a cheesemonger is a person who sells cheese, butter and other dairy products. Um, okay. It's like, it's Super kind of an old timey <laughs> word that is, it encompasses a wide variety of, of actual jobs. Um, but when I'm referring to a cheesemonger, it is a person who works behind a cheese counter or um, like you were saying, some, something like a, a cheese and charcuterie counter in a larger grocery store as well. Okay, got it. Sorry, yeah. I did not mean to cut Basically you off Basically someone, someone who, no, it's fine. Um, it's someone who cuts and wraps cheese for a living, uh, depending on whether that is cut to order or if you're doing production for a larger grocery store and they have like grab and go cases. Okay. Um, basically anybody who just deals with cheese and charcuterie on a, on a regular basis. Okay. Got it. Okay. So you've been working in New York city for the past five mm-hmm. years at a, a variety of those types of locations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and so I actually went to college for Italian language and translation. Um, and then when I moved to New York City after college, I got into the food world. I got an internship at um, a specialty grocery store and realized that the one thing that I was like actually interested in and wanted to learn more about was was the cheese part of it. So okay. I decided I wanted I decided I wanted to actually learn a craft and do something with my hands instead of just sitting behind a computer all day, which, you know, good for the people who can do that but I, I get a little I, bit I raise my hand I can't do it I'm <laughs> mentally drained every day but I know yeah <laughs> um so I I wanted to do something that uh something that was something that made me feel like I was creating something yeah and well so, so when I, you started when you started was that first job related to your your studies from college or was yeah. it just an oddball job that you grabbed so it was kind of related. Um, I, like I said, I studied Italian. I did have a lot of, I did a lot of event planning and event management um, when I was in college for um, an Italian American institution and a down chair at the, the college. So I had experience doing that. And the job that I got right out of college was uh, an intern for an events and education department that like focused in Italian. Okay. Um, so essentially I was running uh, an Italian themed cooking school. Um, I went from intern to manager in a couple of years and we were creating this um, this culinary curriculum for the Italian cooking school and then actually managing all of the classes. And one, cool. so we did, we did everything from, you know, how to make your own uh, mozzarella to let's do a fresh pasta making class to anything that had to do with the history of Italian cuisine. Um, Roman Jewish cuisine, uh, Tuscan Tuscan cuisine that was like, we, we call it la cucina povera, which is like the, the poor man's cuisine, which is where a lot of Italian dishes kind of came out of. Um, and then my favorite ones were the Italian cheese and wine pairings or cheese and beer or cheese and cider. Um, okay. And so I, that those were the ones where I was very engaged in the actual mm-hmm. class instead of just, you know, doing the management and, and refilling wine glasses. So yeah. When I decided it was time for me to pick a different path, I said, this is the thing that fascinated me the most. I'm going to go and and pursue this. Um, So I went to work at that cheese counter um, with the intention, actually, of learning how to do cheesemongering and then eventually transferring into butchery. And uh, I stayed at the cheese counter, just really loved it, was like pretty, pretty good at it, pretty, pretty decent at it. And I decided I wanted to, to try to be great at it. Very cool. So tell me, what is, what is it about being a cheesemonger that you absolutely love? Because obviously from like 
my very limited knowledge, all I see is someone slicing cheese on the other side of the counter. So what is it that drew you in so much other than, of course, that cheese is delicious? Um, That's a great question. Uh, And I think it is that artisan cheese is very often misunderstood, underappreciated. And all of these cheeses have stories because these are not cheeses that are being made by machines in giant factories. These are cheeses that are being made by, you know, a husband and wife or, um, you know, someone who is the, someone in Wisconsin who is the third generation descendant of a Swiss cheesemaker um, who made cheese in the Alps, you know, a hundred years ago or something like that. And they're making everything by hand and they're masters at this craft that they've been honing for years and years and years. And they're using the milk of their own herd of animals um, in some cases. And so they have a story to tell. And because of, we talk about the concept of terroir. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. No, I'm not. So it's, it's mainly a wine term. And what it means is that every aspect of the environment has an effect on the final flavor of the product. Okay. So when we when we talk about terroir of cheese, it means that everything everything about an animal's life cycle um, affects the final flavor. So, for example, the uh, kinds of grasses and herbs that they're eating. What season is it? Are they stressed out? Um, what breed What breed of animal are they? All of those things have an effect on the final flavor, which means that the cheese that you make in one area according to one specific recipe in a specific season is never going to taste the same if you make it halfway across the world with a different breed of animal uh six months later very interesting Um, and so it's it's interesting and it's fascinating to me how individually unique all of these products are Mm -hmm. um, and how nuanced the whole process is and i think that people take that for granted and they think that, oh, all cheese is just the blocks of cheddar at the grocery store. When in reality, the cheeses are being handmade and they're being hand wrapped in, in spruce bark that's being like stripped from trees on a property in Vermont, um, all by, you know, people, people and hundreds and thousands of them are doing this backbreaking manual labor because they want to share this taste of this place with, mm-hmm. you know, whoever can, whoever picks up that cheese and brings it home to enjoy it. Incredible. That's, that's so cool. So the term that you just used, the tar, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna butcher it. What is it? Terroir. Terroir. That it's funny because like you're saying all that. And in my mind, I'm thinking I have like a science background. So I'm thinking like nature versus nurture and how humans are like, really depends on how we, how we end up really depends on the environment we grow up in. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, you think of that from the person level, but then from a cheese level, that's like unbelievable. It also has such a big impact on the flavor and texture and all that stuff. That's so cool. So as a cheesemonger, then do you, like when you get a shipment and please correct me if I'm, none of this is accurate, but if you get a shipment of cheese, does it say like who made it, where it's from, Mm -hmm. what the process looked like, all of those environmental impacts that you just discussed? Do you get that? So some of them do actually come with that information. Um, But so my actual job, I'm not I, I started as, a, as just a cheesemonger, but my actual job right now, um, I'm actually a buyer. So my okay. job is to do all of the research and curate the selection of 150, 250 products at any given time for a specialty grocery store. And so a big part of my job is researching these products and picking the ones that I think 
um, are, let's say, um, environmentally responsible or, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're they're abiding by the tenets of the slow food movement, which is good, clean and fair. So they, they're these are companies that are paying their employees living wages and they're treating their animals humanely, um, that, that kind of thing. So traceability um, and uh responsible sourcing is a big part of what I focus on. Okay. So are you self-employed then, or are you working with another group of cheese professionals, certified cheese professionals? So I, I'm the manager of a cheese counter. I'm, so I'm, I'm buying all of the products. I'm selecting all of the products. And then I'm also um, managing a team of cheese mongers um, who who work at the cheese counter. And I'm training them on how um, best practices, um, just cheese mongering techniques and how to properly um, cut and wrap all of these products to make sure that we are respecting the product. And we're also showing respect to the cheese makers um, by showcasing their product in the way that they had intended it to be enjoyed. Very cool. Very cool. That is so interesting. I, yeah. I love hearing you speak about this right now because you just seem so passionate about this. And yeah. it's just such like a niche, cool area that I didn't even know existed. Like the fact that yeah. there are certified professional cheat what I what I say certified certified professionals thank you I like mix those words but the fact that that's even a thing is so incredible so and you did half my work for me which thank you you told me the whole journey of like how you got here so you had no interest in in this area at all it all just happened from you finding this one job right after college I didn't know about the like how deep the cheese world really goes um so I yeah throughout my childhood I always really really liked cheese but I never (laughs) right I never really did any research on it but I was always like I love Parmigiano Reggiano and you know I really liked Jarlsberg as a kid um I never liked Kraft singles though which was (laughs) I was never really I was never super into like American cheese like even the sliced ones Mm -hmm. I was I was always like I would like the Alpine Lacey Swiss like (laughs) um but that it was something that I always liked but never kind of like got more into until I was sitting in one of these classes one day at um at my job right after college and heard a cheese professional speak about all of this and said oh my god yeah <laughs> this is this is fun this is so cool so can so. you tell me be, I, I i'm gonna warn you in about 10 minutes here five ten minutes i'm gonna start drilling you with cheese questions just because i'm so fascinated Bye. i even put cool. it on my instagram i was like if anyone has any questions for this gal yeah, yeah, yeah. let me know um That's my but job. before i before i jump into that i would love to hear like career trajectory i love hearing mm-hmm. about you know what are all the different avenues that you could take in each career and Mm-hmm. Given that this is such a niche area, is there like a lot of potential ways you can take this or are you just pretty much at like the top of your game now and you're just going to continue to learn about the world of cheeses? Well, it, and you know, obviously I, I've only been doing this for five years and there are people who have been in this industry for 10, 15, 20 years, even more than that, who, who obviously have more insight than I do. Um, but from what I have figured out in my last few years working in this industry, there are like a number of different ways that you can go. I know people that have been just strictly working cheese counters as mongers for 10 years and they love it. I'm perfectly happy with it. Um, I am, uh, I'm doing buying right now, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you get to hear all those stories that really, yeah. sounds, like really drew you into the field mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah, definitely. Um, And I mean, the position that I'm in now, I kind of fell into. 
Um, I was working a counter in uh, in 2019, um, but uh, little known fact, cheesemongers generally do not get paid well. Well, hello. Um, just wanted to throw out there because as a curious mind, everyone's going to be curious probably what that salary actually looks like. So I did look it up and a cheesemonger average pay is 34000 per year. That's the U.S. I don't know how accurate it is. It does say um, most experienced workers make up to 39000 and entry level is 27000 So, you know, take it or leave it if you have a curious mind and you were thinking, I'm curious what that looks like. There you go. Now you know. Okay, back to the podcast. At all. Um, we, I, I feel like our encyclopedic knowledge gets taken advantage of a lot by larger companies. Um, and also there's not really a lot of money in specialty grocery mm-hmm. especially small businesses um so there is kind of a limit to what you can pay people who work the counter hourly mm-hmm. um so a lot of the time you'll find people who take a lower wage just because they love what they do and they love this job and a lot of the time you'll find people who you know work the counter for a few years and have amazing potential but then go into other fields because there's better money and mm-hmm. it's you know it's sad but it's true and so in 2019, I kind of decided I needed I needed to start earning more money. And this this has been fun. This is great. I learned I learned how to, to do a craft, but I have to get back into something where I can I can start earning more money and start saving and planning for the future. And I became the catering manager at a different specialty grocery store. And I worked there for a year, built up their catering department, and then all of a sudden pandemic hits. And they said, we really like you, but obviously we're not doing catering right now because coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need someone who can manage the cheese department and has experience managing high volume. Um, and I had worked for a much larger grocery store before that. And, and so they said, we want to make you the cheese manager. And I said, yeah, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so that's how I that's how I kind of became the, the cheese buyer uh, okay. at this point. And it's not something that I had ever considered doing in mm-hmm. my life before that. Um, and now I don't, I could never go back. It is mm-hmm. so much fun to be able to just taste all of these different products and talk to all of these different people. And I travel all the time. I, last year I went to San Francisco. I went to, um, upstate New York. I went to Vermont. I went to Switzerland, Austria, Germany, Paris, Wisconsin, like I all, Oh, Portland for the American cheese society conference. Oh my um, God. Yeah. I didn't even, this is so crazy. There's yeah, yeah. a whole world out there that I had no all, idea. I'm just, yeah, a consumer. All, all I do is for, I eat. <laughs> it was all for like cheese research. Like oh all of those God. trips were just like me going to like cheese related conferences and visiting cheese producers and <clears throat> just like going to creamers and watching the whole process of of these cheeses that I sell at my counter that I've uh-huh. sold at my counter for years I got to go to Switzerland and watch the man who makes one of our best-selling cheeses and he gets up every morning and he does it like he does it with his own hands and he has this very small team and to watch to watch the milk being delivered from the small like the tiny neighboring farms to watch these farmers like just ride up on their little bicycles with the milk jugs and like, <laughs> and, you know, to, to, to give him their milk and, and watch the entire process from start to finish of, of that milk being made into cheese and then go to this aging facility mm-hmm. where there's tens of thousands of wheels of this cheese and watch it being packed up 
and knowing that the next step is that it, it's going to come to my counter in New you York City. enjoy it. <laughs> it's, it's an absolutely incredible experience, incredibly humbling. Um, and also I feel much more connected to the product now that I have seen its entire life cycle. Yeah. And it is, it is incredibly humbling to know that after all of that, after all of these hands have touched this product, from, you know, the farmers who are milking the cows to, to Walter, who is making the cheese, to the, there's this incredible team of women in the aging facility who are like taking care of the cheese and packing it up in boxes and, and sending it off to um, the cold storage facility in like outside of Paris, where they put it onto shipping containers and the customs brokers who are responsible for doing all of the paperwork to get it here. And people who work in the cold storage, cold storage facility in Long Island City who receive that cheese and take care of it. And then the distributors who have to go and pick it up and then bring it to me. Like I'm the final frontier. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the link between all of that happening and someone eating and enjoying that cheese. Yeah, That's a huge responsibility. How fascinating. I love hearing you walk through all of those steps and pieces because I, I had this thought, like I was just going through my classic, like what is my next career move? All that kind of stuff. And <laughs> I realized I was limiting my thoughts so much because there are so many positions and careers and responsibilities mm-hmm. out there in every, like I'm so narrowly focused on my one work in healthcare consulting that you forget that there's like within every single industry and every single, you know, career field, career path, there are tens of thousands of other positions yeah. that all interconnect. And it's just like, like your story it's there, that you just touched six, seven, eight different parties' hands to get it mm-hmm. to you. And that's going on day after yeah. day after day after day. It's it's wild. And that's that's why I take my job so seriously, I think. And and people I get very frustrated when people undervalue this labor and they say, well, you're, you know, you're just a deli perk. It's just cheese. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? And I'm like, this is people's livelihoods. This, mm-hmm. these are, these are recipes that have been handed down from generations. These are products that have built economies that like that local economies rely on this money to, to sustain themselves. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's not as simple as, Oh, you know, it's, you're just a deli clerk. Like, I feel like we have a much more important role than people give us credit for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are a prime example of something I brought up a couple episodes prior to this one where I was just talking about how whatever your job is, you know, everyone wants to say like, I want to help people. I want to make an impact on people's lives. And my my issue with that was like, I wanted to be a physician. I, I kept saying like, this is the way to help people. But then it's really just about the frame of thought that you have around it because mm-hmm. every single job that you have you can make it focused on people it's really what your intrinsic value is like what are well, what is the reason uh, you're doing it for is it for the money is it for the fact that as you're saying mm-hmm. you know you love the fact that you are helping people get what they want continue their economies continue their livelihood all that stuff which is I mean it's, it's awesome it's and this yeah. is just like so it's so fascinating to me well I'm going to unless I don't want to cut you off so if there's anything sure. else you want to share um please please like I'm I'm all ears tell me anything more but I do have some questions for you um some really oddball questions some weird ones yeah, I might yeah. need to throw some at you but um sure. yeah like we could just dive right into it um okay so for first question, I just want to, can you just take me through the general practice of making cheese? I'm, I'm assuming it might vary a bit based on the type, but in mm-hmm. general, what, what does it look like to make cheese? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so there are a, f a few uh, very important steps to cheese making and a few steps where it varies based on the style of cheese. Um, the most important step, obviously, is coagulating the milk into mm -hmm. curds and whey because you need those. You need that. You need that solid to actually form the cheese, and then you you know you drain off the whey. Um, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the cultures that are used to make different types of cheese, like there are different cultures that are used for brie. There are different cultures that are used for blue cheese. There are different cultures that are used for Gouda. Um, those are some, most of the time, if not always added into the liquid milk before cheese making. Okay. And so a lot of, a lot of the time, the, the development of those cultures is dependent on different conditions maybe in the aging cave um cheese science is is kind of the part of this of this industry where i'm the least confident um so if i'm saying anything incorrect please feel free to fact check me um but for example a lot of people don't know that blue cheese is not made by injecting blue mold into the cheese you're using cultures that are added into liquid milk that are oxygen activated so at, during the aging process, when they pierce the blue cheese, they're not injecting blue mold. They're they're opening that up to oxygen, which is going to activate that blue mold, and then it grows in all the nooks and crannies between the curds. Yeah, very cool. Okay, um, but you know, very frequently you are you're seeing some sort of information on the internet that just isn't correct. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's really important for you know people like me um, to give people the correct information. So sorry, I got off on a little tangent there. No, I love, yeah. no, this is, I love this. This is how we get to the good juicy stuff. So please. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you are coagulating the milk, turning it into curds and whey, and then you're taking that curd and um, you are cutting it. Now, depending on the style of cheese, you cut the curd in different ways. So something like a Parmigiano Reggiano, you're going to cut that curd into teeny, teeny, tiny little like rice cream sized pieces um, versus something like a camembert, which is a much higher moisture, softer cheese, those curds are gonna be much larger. And the reason for that is the smaller the curd, the more surface area, the more whey is expelled and more moisture is expelled. Okay. So if you have a smaller grain, you're going to have a drier cheese as a final product. So something like a like a Parmigiano yeah. Reggiano is a is a dry grating cheese. So you're doing you have your cut curds, or or if you're doing something like a mozzarella or a provolone, you're doing with you're actually stretching them rather than cutting them. Okay. Um, so there's like there's kind of like a, a general trajectory for cheese making, and then there's a lot of different offshoots based on yeah. the style. Very complicated. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, very cool. Hence why cheese science is my is my the part of this that I, I try to learn constantly about to, um, to try to get better, have a better understanding of how that works. So, so two questions on two specific cheeses you just mentioned, um, yeah. the, the blue cheese, I always get confused, like with the mold and all that, is it just mm -hmm. blue cheese that mold that is acceptable to eat? Cause everyone, you know, you hear mold and, and you're like, that's yeah. gross. Like, why is it that we can eat the mold of blue cheese? It's a very specific mold. It's a very, just, I guess, uh, it's a very, strain that, very okay. specific mold, but um, a lot of times when you see mold on the outside of any cheese, most of the time it's supposed to be there. So really? uh, yes, unless, you know, it's something that you've left in your fridge in the back of your fridge for right. three months. Um, right. 
but like the nature of cheese is that there are ambient bacteria that or there is ambient bacteria they're like like all of these different cultures that are at work here so i mean it's going to grow mold naturally i always tell people if you have a cheese in your fridge and you pull it out after a couple of days and there's a little bit of mold on the face of one of the cheeses it's fine it's totally fine. It is normal for that cheese to do that. All you have to do is like scrape that mold off or maybe cut a little bit, like a quarter yeah. inch off that side of the cheese. And then it's good as new. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brie, this was a question that I got from one of my followers, Brie, mm-hmm. the, the stuff on the outside of the, yes. the cheese. I, I know that you're, you're allowed to eat it, right? You're, mm-hmm. Yeah. How? like how why what is that <laughs> great um cheese terminology the outside of a cheese is called the rind and the okay. inside of a cheese is called the paste and so the white stuff um white stuff on the brie is just the rind of that the brie grows naturally and that okay. is that is intentional it is supposed to be there um and that is what gives it a lot of its flavor um it's okay. a very specific it's a very specific culture um that the cheesemaker again adds to liquid milk during cheese making i think some of the larger producers of more industrial brie they like spray it on during aging um but if you get a real brie from a good producer it um that, that is not the case um and it is meant to be eaten okay um it, it is it's going to be like a kind of a fluffy like white rind and that's what we call a blooming rind because it's it's the the mold is is blooming okay interesting okay yeah yeah that was always something that like that's something that I always get uncomfy about when I'm like yeah staring at a charcuterie board yeah. and I'm like oh, I don't know if I want that but yeah. okay you're, um, you're 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 meant to eat that rind um and the cheese maker and the affineur um the affineur is, is a term for person who ages cheese they have they have painstakingly uh created the right conditions in that aging cave um and taken care of that cheese and flipped it and brushed it and patted that mold down for weeks um so that it gets to you in good condition so Mm -hmm. that the flavors are just as they want them to be so Um, i'm doing a disservice by throwing it away pretty much (laughs) um a a little bit That that being said um, you don't have to eat the rind if you don't want to, um, but it is it is there. It is safe to eat, and I I do recommend eating it. If you don't like it, that's totally fine. It's yeah. all a matter of taste. Um, Love it. Um, okay, is it true that a lot of cheese does not actually have lactose? It is true. It is true. Okay, so yes. why do we all complain about our stomachs hurting after we have a lot of cheese? Um, it could be a number of things. You could have a dairy sensitivity in general, because lactose is just milk sugar. Um, you mm-hmm. could be sensitive to milk protein, which is casein. Um, Interesting. Okay. Aged, most aged, oh, all aged cheese has a, an amount of lactose that is so small, it's like undetectable. Okay. And the reason for that is during the cheese making process, the lactose in in the cheese, which is milk sugar, is all converted into lactic acid. And as the cheese ages, that process continues with any residual lactose that is, is left in that cheese. So that's why younger, fresh cheeses like burrata, mozzarella, that kind of thing are going to be harder on your stomach than an aged cheese like Parmigiano or Gouda or cheddar or something like that. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever get sick of eating cheese? Um, that's a really good question. 
no <laughs> not, okay. not really um I don't generally eat a lot of cheese like at home I try to do meat and vegetables uh, okay. to balance out all the cheese all, you eat at work <laughs> all of the cheese and uh, that I eat at work I also eat a lot of charcuterie I'm responsible for a pretty sizable slice to order charcuterie program as well mm -hmm. okay. so I do eat a ton of cheese and then of course <laughs> rightfully you know, so you've earned it Aside from that, being a buyer, half my job is eating samples that people send me to say, yeah. oh, I really like this. Does this have a place in my set? Okay. Are you familiar with the Cheese Castle in Wisconsin? Love it. Been okay. there. Had a great time. They have the best cheese curds I've ever had. Okay, perfect. I was just going to ask what are your thoughts yeah. about the Cheese Castle in Wisconsin, but it sounds like you've got I love the Cheese Castle. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that kind of brings me to my next question. Um, along with with drinks is there any uh, like weird odd piece of food that you've eaten with cheese that you're like oh my god this is fantastic everyone needs yeah. to eat this cheese with this food yes um so one of the odder pairings um that cheesemongers love uh is chocolate cheese okay. and chocolate go really well together blue cheese is blue cheese is, is a great pairing with chocolate and a lot of alpine cheeses um like gruyere or uh you know appenzeller hollerhocker those are great pairings for different types of chocolate interesting and how would you mm -hmm. eat it just like a like you have a classic chocolate bar and you just crack <laughs> off a piece on top of some cheese oh yeah interesting yep. okay yep um i also really like I like pickled stuff with cheese. Okay. Um, and then one of the kind of, so there are pairings in the cheese world that are kind of like famous throughout the industry. Um, and one of them is candy corn and mimolette. My friend Michelle came up with that one. Wait, and candy corn and what? Candy corn and um, mimolette is a, a French cheese that it's, it's supposed to be their take on a Gouda. Um, okay. That pairing is so strange and it is so delicious and so perfect. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah, shout out to Michelle. Um, their Instagram handle is at Columbus Curdner they post a lot of really cool cheese stuff um, but they okay. figured out they figured out the candy corn mimolette pairing and then also I think they did the dipping McDonald's french fries into a Jasper Hill Harbison I think that was them too um, okay. but that that one was awesome oh yeah french fries and cheese can't go wrong yeah <laughs> it kind of embraces this like this balance between what people consider to be highbrow and what people consider to be lowbrow and i really like that that pairing breaks the mold because people are so intimidated by artisan cheese uh -huh. um, and they think oh you know i could never eat that i'm not fancy enough for it and it's like no 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 Cheese was invented as a way for people who do manual labor to preserve the nutrients in milk and so they, to nourish their bodies while they were doing this labor. Cheese was not invented for fancy rich people to have parties. Mm -hmm. Like we've we've taken this we've taken this this part of history and, and twisted it into something that so many people think is inaccessible to them when in reality like cheese is for the people. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Amelia, this was so fantastic. Thank you for answering yeah. all of my weird random questions and giving sure. me a look into what your life looks like. Like I said, I've been so excited to hear all about this because I didn't even know this field existed and you've opened my eyes to so much. Um, before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? I'll also give you a little moment to plug any of your socials if you want people to find oh, you sure. there. Um, but yeah, please feel free to take the next couple minutes, give any yeah words of wisdom or anything you want to share? Sure. Um, so the only thing I can think of that we really didn't cover is that um, 
If you are interested, if you are a non-cheese person who is interested in seeing the inner workings of the cheese industry, um, there is an event that happens uh, twice a year. It is called the Cheesemonger Invitational. Okay. And um, it is, if you, you want to follow them on Instagram um, or on Facebook, it's just the Cheesemonger Invitational. Um, and what that is, is this gathering of most of the industry professionals in the country and some of them from like all over the world, people come from, from Europe um, to attend this event. And it is a, an obstacle course <laughs> essentially um it is it is the cheesemonger olympics in the united states and they take the best cheesemongers from all over the country and they compete in what we call a cheesemonger obstacle course it's not really it's not a competition um it's kind of a competition but it's more of a way to assess your skills for me at least it's a way to assess your skills and see where your um where your strong points are, what you need to work on, um, as you know, in the in in as in the craft, um, and then you get to interact and network with people who do your job in all different parts of the country, and you get exposed to all different products and all of the different makers. It is the best thing that you can do for yourself as a cheesemonger is to attend a cheesemonger invitational. Um, there are two one two three however many days of education before the actual competition day and you get to sit down in a room with some of the world's best cheese makers and affineurs and cheese educators and hear directly from them and taste their products and it, honestly it is I learned more in doing one cheesemonger invitational than I did in an entire year of doing my own research about this stuff and so the competition encompasses all of the different ways that cheesemongers have to use their skills. So everything from a written test about general cheese knowledge to a blind tasting of, we're giving you a plate of six cheeses and saying, you know, wh which cheese is this? Out of all of the cheeses from all over the world, what cheese is this? What milk is it made out of? What style cheese is it? Is it pasteurized or raw? And you have to be able to tell that just by tasting it. Oh my God. There's, a, okay. there's, a, there's an aroma test where you have to like, you know, smell um, unmarked vials and tell us what you think the scent is. And that is, um, that is a big part of sensory evaluation, which is a big part of cheese mongering. Mm -hmm. um, there's salesmanship rounds where we give you a fake cheese counter and we evaluate you. We evaluate you on like how good you are at selling cheese. Um, to customers. There are food service rounds. It's kind of like cheese chopped where we assign you a cheese in advance and you have to come in and create a perfect plate, a perfect bite, a perfect beverage. And you have oh to do God. all of that. Like you have to all do all of that on the fly in, you know, in a room full of 50 other cheesemongers all doing the same thing for different cheeses. Um, God, what else am I missing? Oh, there's perfect cut and perfect wrap where you have like 45 seconds to cut a perfect quarter pound and then you have to perfectly wrap those in paper. You have to perfectly pl plastic wrap different uh, different sizes of cheese. It's really, really intense. And all, so of this cool. happens, all of this happens behind the scenes. Uh-huh. Um, and then cool. the fun part happens where the competition opens to the public. And so even if you're not in the cheese industry, you can come into this giant room. We rented out Brooklyn Expo Center last time. There are tables that are set up for, from like the greatest producers of cheese producers in the entire world. And you can go and it's all you can eat cheese. Most of the time, it's all you can drink beer and wine. And then you get to watch on the stage the finalists of this competition compete 
on, like on the stage in front of everyone and it's like you know so there's cool. there's go through all those things that yes. like sniff tash there's, on, a, the- there's a trivia round there are speed cutting and speed wrapping rounds um there's a round where you have a minute to talk about your favorite cheese and you know some people have um some people have brought guitars and like written songs to perform and some people have done monologues as different characters um, oh my god I, I read a portion of the Decameron by Boccaccio and it's original Italian like people oh really god. go all, all out for this and then at the end after everything is said and done one person is crowned the champion <laughs> the champion um, of cheese like, yeah exactly oh, I love it's, that. it's so good it's crazy um so I would say if you're a cheesemonger and you're listening sign up to do the cheesemonger invitational the next time they open registrations if you're a person who is interested in cheese um and you just want to see and be a part of the party, uh, buy a ticket. It is absolutely worth it. And you get to, you just get to like interact with, with the people who love cheese the most. Well, how amazing. Um, okay. Before I, before I let you go, please give me your socials or let the Um, listener know where to find you. Yes. So, um, on TikTok, my, my username is punk rock parmigiano. I post a lot of, uh, cheese education related videos and also sometimes jump on some trends but make them cheese related I find it very funny most people do not um, <laughs> um, on Instagram uh, my name is uh, mdalbero e-m-d-a-l-b-e-r-o and that is where I post all of my cheese related adventures and like new new cheese in the shop I'm, I'm like doing cheese drops every couple of days and saying you know I only have two wheels of this come and get it like um awesome. Yeah, so if you wanna if you wanna follow me on either of those, you are totally welcome to. Very and cool. I, I I love being asked questions. You can DM me. Um, you can message me on whatever platform you want. I love answering cheese questions. Yeah, I would say you're a wealth of cheesy knowledge. So thank you for for answering all my stupid and <laughs> random questions. Um, but again, there's no so much. Questions. Thank you yeah. so much for uh, like taking me through your story and all of this. This has been as ex- as exciting as I expected it to be when I first talked to you. So uh, great. great. I'm so glad. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for thinking of me. It was great yeah. to talk to you. Yeah, you as well. I'll talk to you later. See you bye. Later. bye. bye.